Fear not, dear listener. The path to enlightenment is before you. Leave the darkness behind. Open your eyes, grab your spears, and brush your teeth. For you will be led to the battlefield, armed with sharp minds and fresh breath. Stand by. Welcome to the show dedicated to truth and liberty in the greater Cincinnati area. One small part of a larger movement for freedom pressured into silence by a culture that seeks nothing less than total obedience. Your hosts, Scott and Max, are here to help you to find the courage and resources to become uncancelable. This is Cancelled Out. What's up, dudes? Welcome back to Cancelled Out. Uh, this is Max. I am back with my local uh, libertarian expert, Jack. Jack, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, before we get started, uh, just a quick thing. I haven't been asking you guys to do this for a while, but I'm going to ask you again. Uh, please do make sure you are following us on Locals. Uh, if we ever get kicked off at anywhere, Locals is going to be the last place we ever get kicked off of. I believe, anyway. We'll see, but I can't imagine. It, it is it is Dave Rubens, for whatever it's worth. It is his platform that he built. So uh, it seems like uh, my speech is relatively protected on there. So that's where I want you to go and follow us. Uh, it's also where you can go and you know become a contributor, help keep this thing going. None of this time is free. Just a thought. So... <laughs> Uh, appreciate it if you're able to contribute, great. But otherwise, at the very least, you know, listen in and share and like and what and you know, comment, whatever else you can do. So, uh, and without further ado, let's do a quick catch up on last week. We uh, did a uh, uh, an introduction to libertarianism. We wanted to go through. Uh, this was really uh, Jack's idea, and, it's, and, I, and I'm glad we did. We wanted to go through what libertarian is, libertarianism is, and get into some of the philosophy behind it. Uh, and we started by talking about what the platform of libertarianism is, what the first principles were as it relates to self-ownership, as it relates to um, the non-aggression principle. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first uh, because we're going to be talking a lot about those concepts as they relate to the next uh, few sections we want to get into, which really uh, gets more into the Libertarian Party itself and what uh, it looks like uh, in American politics. So uh, thanks again for listening in. And I'm going to let Jack take us, take us on here. Yeah, so as Max mentioned uh, on the previous episode, it was, it was a lot more uh, theoretical. This episode will be a lot more applied and will probably be less intellectually heavy. And we will uh, we will get to make fun of some of the silly types of libertarians, and it's going to be great. So the first part, let's just uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through um, the manifestations of libertarianism in American politics. Um, so just starting out, I want to make a disclaimer that the Libertarian Party. Uh, the United States political party it is not that that is not libertarian a lot a lot of people when they think of libertarianism they just think of that is the libertarian party the libertarian party is not 
the only instance of libertarianism in the United States. Uh, there are many other uh, types of libertarians who do, or and some who don't, get involved in polit uh, political action. So, You might even say that there are definitely a handful of small L, or lowercase l, libertarians who are uh, perhaps justifiably feeling disenfranchised by the Libertarian Party. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, uh, among libertarians in the United States, one of the one of the things a lot of them hate the most is the Libertarian Party. But um, what Max just alluded to there, so capital L Libertarian refers to a member of the Libertarian Party, and a lowercase l Libertarian uh, is more of a philosophical distinction and that does not necessarily indicate membership of or support for the libertarian party um i would consider myself to be a lowercase l libertarian yeah uh same same with me same with me um yeah so to start out though so we are going to talk about the libertarian party um and i believe i i, sh I should have written down when uh when that party was founded i believe that the Libertarian Party in the United States began in the in the 1970s, early 1970s, maybe, um, and so I, I I pasted in our outline here the, the the preamble to the platform to give a sense of what it is. I won't read through the whole thing, but um, you know the Libertarian Party basically, as libertarians, they seek a world of liberty, uh, individuals being sovereign over their own lives, not forced to sacrifice their values for the benefit of others. Uh, you know, they, they emphasize respect for individual rights as a essential precondition for a free and prosperous world. Uh, you know, they want to get rid of force and fraud. They believe that through that only through freedom can peace and prosperity be realized. Um, and then they, <laughs> they mention that they welcome the diversity that freedom brings. Hmm. Uh, the world we seek to build is one where individuals are free to follow their own dreams in their own ways without interference from government or any authoritarian power. So, you know, there's a lot, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of vague. Um, I do fundamentally agree with it, but we'll get into some of the issues with the Libertarian Party uh, here in a minute. But uh, just in more practical terms, I also took this just from the Libertarian Party website. Um, so the Libertarian Party, they say, we seek to substantially reduce the size and intrusiveness of government and cut and eliminate taxes at every opportunity. Uh, we believe that peaceful, honest people should be able to offer their goods and services to willing consumers without inappropriate interference from government. We believe that peaceful, honest people should decide for themselves how to live their lives without fear of criminal or civil penalties. And finally, we believe that government's only responsibility, if any, should be protecting people from force and fraud. Force and fraud. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's... I, I think that's a decent, high-level description of what libertarianism is. I think that, you know, the Libertarian Party in the United States, I mean, we do... We do find ourselves in a country that is very much dominated by two political parties, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And so the Libertarian Party, while de it's definitely the largest third party, um, it, you know, it doesn't, uh, on the national level, has never really wielded uh, any political power. There are libertarians 
uh, that do run as libertarians, as part of the Libertarian Party. Um, there are, you know, there there are several hundreds of them who have won local elections. Um, so there are libertarians in local governments. I, I don't know. And national government. You got them listed here. Well, yeah, I, I'm talking about Libertarian Party specifically. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are some people in Congress right now that you could call Libertarians, um, but I, I, I was referring specifically to the the, party. the actual party yeah. there. So, I mean, I, I think at the national level, you know, uh, Justin Amash was elected as a Republican in Michigan to the House of Representatives, and then he, he switched to the Libertarian Party, and he ended up... Uh, retiring from Congress shortly thereafter, and I, I don't know what he's up to now. But Justin Amash is a member of the Libertarian Party, I believe. Um, I believe somebody maybe in Wyoming was elected uh, to the their state senate or something like that. Um, but but most of the libertarians that you'll find in government, uh, well, actual members of the Libertarian Party, libertarians. Uh, most that actually hold office will be at the local level. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think part of that is a function of, you know, there, there's a very deeply entrenched two-party system that we have in the country. But mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that I'd like to talk about here with regard to the LP, I guess are, there's going to be some recency Bias here, but uh, I want to get into some of the some of the factions and some of the some of the newer goings on. So there is um, there's a caucus. There are a few different caucuses in the Libertarian Party, and one of the newer ones that has recently catapulted itself to being the most powerful caucus in the party is the Mises Caucus. Now we we mentioned the name Ludwig von Mises a few times in the previous episode, but he um, he is, he's, he's, he's a prominent figure among some libertarians in the United States. I, myself, am a big fan of Mises. He was an Austrian school economist, and he, he's kind of one of the precursors for a certain strand of libertarianism that you can find in the United States. So the Mises Caucus is more of a, it's more of a right-leaning group of libertarians who wants to continue, uh, politically speaking, they want to continue the tradition of, of, of Ron Paul. Uh, we'll mention Ron Paul in a couple minutes here. But um, they want to, you know, uh, reignite the so-called Ron Paul revolution and the Libertarian Party. Um, you know, Ron Paul has referred to the Mises Caucus as the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party because um, there are some other groups such as there, there is, or rather there was a caucus in the Libertarian Party called the Pragmatist Caucus. So they um, they don't want libertarianism to be portrayed as radical in the United States. They, you know, they were more focused on uh, trying to present them trying to present the Libertarian Party as a more moderate alternative to the Republicans and Democrats. There's a lot of disagreement over whether that is the best way to go, whether that's a good way to posture the party, whether that's a good way to message uh, libertarianism to Americans and the Mises Caucus. Uh, more, they you know they they believe in a more radical messaging, uh, you know, openly talking about concepts like secession or state level nullification of federal laws, stuff like that. And the pragmatists don't really like that very much. Um, but so interestingly, the Pragmatist Caucus 
does not exist anymore. The reason for that now, so you know, I'm 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 very biased uh, in this whole scandal. I do not like the pragmatists. Uh, a lot of it, you know, there there are different types of people who were part of that caucus, but some of some of the noisier members of that caucus are definitely. You know, they're left-wingers, they like open borders, they like using the phrase social justice, you know, they, they were the ones who were uh, defending Joe Jorgensen, who was the 2020 Libertarian Party presidential candidate. They were the ones who were, uh, you know, defending her when she was doing her uh, pandering to Black Lives Matter on Twitter during the riots, stuff like that. I don't like the pragmatists, and I think I'm... Uh, the, this scandal, I think, is one reason why I'm very justified in feeling that way. And so what happened is, um, th this this past year, there have been a lot of state-level uh, elections for all the state-level libertarian parties across the country. And the Mises Caucus has been taking over a lot of the, the state LP boards. There, there have been, there's been some controversy with that. You know, there are some people who have been in the Libertarian Party for a while who are kind of upset that there are all these new members coming in and they're, they're electing all the Mises Caucus guys to all of these boards and all of these state-level positions uh, in the state-level Libertarian parties. Um, so in New Hampshire, uh, you know, that's what happened. You know, the entire board, it was basically a clean sweep for the Mises Caucus. And they, they decided that they didn't want... The entire state-level party to be Mises Caucus people. So they, what they what they did is they they made an effort to elect a non-Mises Caucus person to be the uh, the chair of the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. So the state chair, who is, uh, I don't know if she was formally a member of the Pragmatist Caucus or if she was just friendly with them. Definitely not a Mises Caucus friendly person. And what she ended up doing is she ended up unilaterally seizing control of the New Hampshire LP uh, social media accounts and their bank accounts and their data on uh, all of the members of the state party. She ended up, you know, seizing all of this, taking it away from, you know, some of the, the like the social media account was, was, was controlled by people who had been elected, who were Mises Caucus people. She took it away from them, um, which is a legally dubious move, by the way. You know, it was, um, she arguably committed outright theft. And what she did is she she unilaterally created a, a brand new set of bylaws that included like being a member of the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. You had to you had to uh, make this pledge to embrace, I don't know, <laughs> like embrace diversity so and condemn wild. bigotry. It, it, was, it was something along those lines. And I, I apologize if I'm getting some of the details wrong here because this, this whole scandal happened several months ago and not all of it is super fresh in my brain, but it was this whole fiasco. And people were wondering, like, why, like, why did she do And she said that she had been advised by somebody who was prominent in the Libertarian Party who said, you know, that she should do this or that it was, you know, legally speaking or ethically speaking acceptable for her to do this. And um, it was it was a brazen move. She, she ended up resigning from that post because she got a lot of backlash from a lot from a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, all of those Mises caucus people are now back in control of 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 all of the New Hampshire Libertarian Party stuff, including the social media accounts and all that. 
<laughs> New Hampshire but, is known to be a relative, is probably the most libertarian state, I would think. Yeah, right? yeah. That's New, how I understand. So yeah, so New Hampshire is where the Free State Project is, which you can look that up if you want to look that up. Um, but the yeah, it, it's kind of this uh, semi-informal, but also semi-formalized. You know, they do have a website and they encourage people who are uh, either libertarians or just liberty-minded to. Uh, to move to New Hampshire, and they want to make New Hampshire into the most libertarian state in the union. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and like you said, it arguably is. You know, you can look at uh, you can look at rankings. There, there are all these different rankings, state by state. Where, you know, people come up with these different ways of measuring economic liberty and and the level of freedom in each state in the union. And so, in those types of rankings, you know, New Hampshire is usually right at the top, along with Florida. Um, And then the bottom is usually, you know, New Jersey, New York, California, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you know, New Hampshire doesn't have a sales tax. And and yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a good place to be if you like liberty. And if also if you're a policy wonk who likes liberty, (laughs) it's a good good place to be. But anyway, um, so back to this New Hampshire Libertarian Party uh, uh, fiasco. Uh, where the where the state chair uh, resigned because she had got she had been caught red-handed com- uh, committing some theft, doing some dirty political tricks. Which is an interesting thing for a libertarian to do, you know, considering how <laughs> yeah, theft yeah, is a big no issue for them. <laughs> so whatever. And it turns out the person who she had been in contact with, plotting and scheming this uh, this little stunt, she was in contact with no- none other than Joe Bishop Henchman, who was at the time the chair of the Libertarian National Committee, right? So he was, you know, he was essentially the the number one guy in charge of the Libertarian Party at the national level. <laughs> and he ended up resigning from that position as a result of wow. this scandal as well. So I believe that position is currently vacant. And there's there's been all sorts of other drama with... Um, you know, it. I don't want to get too much into it, but it's it's been uh, it's been an absolute mess. I think a lot of this stuff's going to get sorted out at. Um, I don't know if it's. I, I guess next year will be the next Libertarian National Convention. I think so. I don't. I don't know if everything is, and at least in terms of who's the who's the chair um, at the national level. I don't. I don't know if that's going to not get resolved until next year in twenty twenty two, but. But uh, anyway, you know, there's uh, all this is to say there really is a left libertarian versus right libertarian split in the libertarian party. Um, You know, there there are people who believe that it's it's a good idea for, you know, like I met, like I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, uh, Joe Jorgensen, who who was the the libertarian candidate for president, you know, she, she was. She was tweeting, pandering to Black Lives Matter. You know, she was she was pandering to people who, I mean, let's be honest, there were people committing massive amounts of property damage mm-hmm. to private property owners who had, you know, okay, you're, you're mad about a, a police officer doing something. Okay, you can be mad, but you were attacking people who had nothing to do with that. And, right. it, you know, in my mind, of all people, libertarians should be the most outraged about that, if you subscribe to a, a, a philosophy that holds private property 
That's um, such a high value. Yeah, yeah. Private property and private property rights. rights are so yeah. highly valued, and 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 so many. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. You know, there were people who were who 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 were rioting or you know protesting in the name but of they, Black Lives Matter. Yes, in the name of who were burning down buildings that had nothing to do with the police. We just so, saw recently that there are Black Lives Matter leaders who are threatening riots even right now. So uh, I mean, that's just how it uh, is. Yeah. It's the, the Black Lives Matter call it call it an idea, call it a movement, call it an organization, call it whatever you want, but uh, one thing it it definitely is is attractive to people who like to destroy property when they don't get their way politically. And we have a word for that. It's usually called uh, terrorism. And you might call that extreme, but how many people, uh, how, many, how, many, how many properties need to get burned down and how many people, frankly, need to be killed by bl- members of Black Lives Matter before we call it what it is? Sorry for that little side tangent, but I think it was worth it. No, that. it's not a side tangent at all because th- this... This issue, this is one of the core issues where you can find a split uh, within this party and within libertarianism in the United States in general. And it frustrates me so much because you have all of these people calling themselves libertarians who, who, who are you know, being pretty supportive of something that is fundamentally, like you said, it's a domestic terrorism movement. I'm sorry, you know, like, I, and 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 I, I will I will clarify that I. Um, I, I do find policing in the United States to have a lot of serious problems. Um, I think that police brutality is an awful thing, and I think there are incentives that are inherent in, in, in policing, you know, a government monopoly policing that can lead to uh, examples of police brutality where, where, where officers are not uh, properly held accountable for their actions like they would um, if, if, if we were operating in, you know, a, a free market, you know, there, there are free market incentives and free market mechanisms that don't apply as much to police. Now, that being said, Black Lives Matter, you know, being against police brutality is, it's, it, ultimately, it's a winning issue because uh, people, you know, even people who say they're, uh, you know, you know I, I support the police and, and, and the, the, the blue line flag and stuff, they still don't like seeing, uh, you know, like if you show them a video of somebody getting the crap beaten up, you know, getting beaten up by a cop or something like people don't like police brutality, right? So, so Black Lives Matter could, you know, they could really seize on a on on a winning issue if they were if they were smarter about it. But they're not smart about it because what we have found out, uh, particularly over the past year, but also in in the wake of the Ferguson stuff during the Obama administration, they they explicitly racialize the issue. So people see. People see issues with police as an inherently racial issue. My belief is that it is actually not, um, it's not a racial issue in the way that they portray, you know, people are going to take that, people might take that way out of context, but I, I think focusing in on the race so much is a huge tactical error for Black Lives Matter, and that's why there are, you know... Well, it's the only way they can do it, because, I mean, it's in the name, so they have to look at it. Well, right, right. Uh, but it's, I mean, I, th- I like to look at it from another perspective, too, even not just police brutality, which, of course, I, 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 I am against police brutality and I want to do something about it if there are legitimate instances that need to be taken care of. But the perspective I like to take is, yes, it's one thing to honor police, and I do honor the police, but you even, with, even while honoring the police you ought to maintain a healthy skepticism of the power that they have because anytime anybody has 
uh, that kind of power over another, it can tend to attract somebody who will want to abuse that power. So, for example, let's look over the past year and a half uh, with the COVID stuff. I mean, how many videos did you see of these police absolutely abusing their power where somebody's trying to keep their business open, right? Trying to keep their business open and, uh, and the police are shutting them down. Where was that in your, you know, for those policemen? And, and you know, there's, there's oftentimes the argument is, well, we're just doing our job. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is the last thing I ever want to hear from any law enforcement is I'm just doing what I'm told to do. I'm just following orders. I'm just doing my job. Sorry, that's not, that is simply an unacceptable answer. You took an oath of office to serve, to serve and protect and to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And you are responsible for understanding the rights that you are protecting and are not allowed to violate. And that to me is something to keep in mind when it comes to the police is that they are responsible for more than just following orders as policemen but literally understanding and following the constitution there are times when they will flat out violate it if they are ordered to and they will blame it on orders and that is not something we should accept as the people being policed i think we should expect more out of anybody who as you said have that monopoly over the use of uh force over uh, a uh, citizenry. Yes, I I agree with everything you just said. Um, but but just you know b back to the fact that Black Lives Matter is making a huge tactical error in their messaging and the way that they you know I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you I'm gonna be blunt with you here you know there are people like Sean King who will say look you know if 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 a white guy gets shot by the cops i i'm not going to report on it I, I i don't care because the you know this is about it, it, th there are a lot of 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 black lives matter activists who will highlight the instances of of a of black people being the victims of police brutality and they will neglect or maybe even actively cover up instances where white people are victims of alleged mm -hmm. police brutality and on, on, and honestly like th so there's this there's this website called the free thought project and they do a lot of but you know they have they have a news story story pretty much every day about police brutality but they report on all of it no matter the race of the victim because i i you know i'm i'm gonna be honest with you, the 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 issue is not racialized in the way it's portrayed and you could you know the we we have a we have a corporate press and, and and social media companies and all this who have a lot of influence over public opinion in our country who are able to you know they're able to to craft this issue in the way that they want you to see it and what they want you to see is black people being victims and not white people you know there's there's a racial component of this that does not need to exist, and in my opinion, it's counterproductive at getting at the, what the actual root of the issue. Which the you know, I, I I don't I don't think that racism is as important of the root issue of this as the inherent incentives in policing. The racial component needs to exist for the sake of lining the pockets of the grifters of people like Sean King. That's the only reason it needs to exist. And it, and it's no wonder you'll have people suggest or claim that it's so bad in this country for black people right now when it's so far from the truth. That's why, because they only see the examples that, that people like Sean King and, and other Black Lives Matter activists and leaders 
uh, want to highlight. The media as well is complicit in this. They only are going to highlight the things that are going to push the narrative, and it's going to make people think who don't pay close enough attention, or as clo- at least as close attention as, say, you and I or those of us who are listening to this podcast, it's the reason why they think that the world is a certain way when it's not. When the actual evidence and the facts don't point in that direction, it's because they only see or hear the narrative that is being pushed by these grifters and by the mainstream media. Um, I want to ask you something, just kind of getting back to the just the, the, the politics, though, of libertarianism. And, and I don't know if you intended to go over this or what your thoughts on this are, but how would you distinguish, for example, the Libertarian Party from the Republican Party? And that is in terms of perhaps their philosophy, their platform, or even their tactics and strategy. How would you distinguish those two parties? Because I think it's easy to distinguish between the Libertarian Party and the Democratic Party, as well as the Libertarian, uh, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. I think those are pretty easy to distinguish. But how would you, other than obvious uh, influence, because the Republican Party is the bigger stick for sure, how would you uh, distinguish between the two parties? Um, I think that... Yeah, so some of the uh, let's see, some of the most important issues that I think uh, libertarians and conservative conservatives might uh, might deviate on, um, but, but you know, but besides obvious things like you know, libertarians have, you know have some some anarchists who want to get get rid of the state, or conservatives right. obviously uh, would not want to do that. But um, I think I think the the libertarian party. Now, if, if do, you, do you want me to speak specifically to the party or to the ideology in general? Either way. Either okay. Way. Well, so so for the so for the party, Libertarian Party definitely has um, a lot of people who do not support immigration restrictions. Uh, Republicans are a lot more likely to support immigration restrictions than Libertarians are. Um, another one is on trade. Republicans are much more likely to support uh, tariffs. Than libertarians are, um, and then there's there's some other stuff like uh, you know I, I think I think conservatives like to celebrate the Constitution. I think there are libertarians too. I mean, there libertarians do like the Constitution because it serves as a very useful tool to preserve uh, liberty. Um, but I, I think there are some libertarian perspectives that can uh, uh, poke some holes in in, in the Constitution, uh, at least as a as a lasting. Force uh, against the growth of government. Uh, a lot of libertarians are uh, not particularly pro. Well, I, again, you know, it's because I, I, I'm thinking of a lot. I was about to talk about democracy, so I don't, I don't like democracy. Um, no, democracy is just mob rule. Yeah. Um, so I, but that 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 doesn't apply to all libertarians. Almost any opinion doesn't apply to all libertarians. But okay, so so libertarians are, I would say libertarians are probably more likely to be pro-choice, where conservatives are more likely to be pro-life. Uh, I I don't, you know, as for me personally, I I don't I don't consider myself pro-choice. Um, but that, that, that's a whole different discussion. Well, let's touch on a couple of those items there for a second. Because I, okay, sure. I, I think it's worth just just unpacking. Specifically, I wanted to unpack the um, border okay. uh, deviation yeah. between the two parties. So um, 
So, so as you said, Republicans tend to be all about border security, having a border wall, and uh, and and having control over the uh, control over the flow of people in and out of the country, right? Whereas libertarians uh, believe in the often oftentimes believe in the principle of the free flow of people. Now, this is my criticism of libertarian. I'm not sure I remember exactly where you stand on this uh, topic. But here's my criticism of libertarians who are against, for example, the border wall. I am pro-border wall. Um, and the reason I am pro-border wall, even though I consider myself to be philosophically libertarian, is because if we did have this perfect world that libertarians want, where we were all just free, there would still be borders. They would just be privately enforced borders. However, the, 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 the state as it is now does not allow us to enforce our own borders the way we should be allowed to, right? In the way that they insert uh, 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 people into neighborhoods, the way that they uh, uh, restrict people's ability to, uh, to isolate themselves or uh, be around like people. And maybe there's people that don't want to be in a diverse community. They just want to be around you know, if you're a black person who just wants to be around other black people, or even a white person who just wants to be other white people around other white people, you don't have actually a say over that, and you don't get to uh, the, the way the state takes away your ability to defend your borders, right? And, and by borders, what I'm really talking about are property lines, right? So because the state does not do that, because the state does not allow us to enforce our borders the way we see fit without violating violating the rights of others. Uh, it forces us to have to, um, we have to do something, right? So my concern is if we don't enforce the border and, and build a wall and maintain that, that sovereignty as a, as a, as a, as a nation, um, then somebody is going to take the power of the government and uh, insert uh, and screw with the demographics in a way that we aren't able to keep up with in a way that we're not able to peacefully engage in. That's the concern that I have. And what we'll end up doing, as seems to be the case as, we, as the demographics, demographics change in different areas, more socialism will be brought into this country and into the different neighborhoods. So if you were to snap your fingers right now and say, okay, everybody can enforce their property lines the way they see fit, I wouldn't care less one bit whether we had a border or not, whether we had a border wall or not. But, but since that's the way it is, and as I always say, you've got to operate with the world as it is, not as you'd like it to be, that's why, in my opinion, the Libertarian Party is wrong to reject a wall on these conditions. What's yes, I so so I, I yeah I think you make a lot of good points in there and um, I, you know I, I I consider demographics to be extremely important um, and you know a, a lot of my views on on demographics and certain racial measures I or certain racial issues I think <laughs> tend to uh, get away with get away from what a lot of libertarians are are, are comfortable with because mm -hmm. a lot of libertarians like to they're challenging know, conversation to, I mean racial dynamics yeah, are challenging yes. conversations to have honestly with people but yeah yeah I'm um, yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I I try to be pretty. Like I'm gonna be honest. I I uh, I'm white and I love white people. I'll just leave, I'll just leave at that. Um, <laughs> but no, I do I, I do I do uh, love white people actually, and and I, I think that uh, anyway. Uh, if but we, but if we can honor if we can honor any race for anything they've contributed, then we can honor white people 
for what they've contributed. Yeah, yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that's that. A, that's, but, a, that's a fair way to look at it, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, so uh, and okay, so in terms of in terms of borders and in terms of immigration, um, well, the, you know, the, this is actually something that I wrote down. This is um, where did I, I wrote this down somewhere? As um, the, the, this is actually one of the most contentious issues uh, within uh, or, or among libertarians, actually, is, is borders and immigration, and. Um, but yeah, so there there are definitely some libertarians who'll say, you know, open borders is the libertarian is the libertarian position. There are libertarians who will say, if you do not support open borders, then you are not a libertarian. Now that is that is BS. That is BS. That is complete BS. And so I don't I don't want to go full into you know uh, philosophy land where I say, well, I don't support open borders. I don't support closed borders. I support private borders. You know, okay, that's fine. But you know, let, let's look at the concept of open borders. Whether or not you, whether you live in the world we live in now, or you have a state, or you live in some sort of uh, private property order, uh, e in either of those cases, open borders is not justifiable. Okay, um, for you know, you, know, you wouldn't it, have open borders in the free society that yeah, libertarians want because anyway, people and, would have yeah. the right to and want to. Uh, enforce their own property. In the, in, yeah, in a in a world in a world of private borders, every property owner controls his or her own borders, and that's completely justifiable. Now, when you look at the situation in which we live now, where we have state, um, you know, like who owns the borders? It's 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 a much murkier question. But the issue with open borders. With not having restrictions on immigration, is you, you you find yourself in a situation where you have uh, th this is what uh, one of my favorite uh, libertarian intellectuals, Hans Hermann Hoppe, he refers to as forced integration. Right. Um, you know, if you if you have completely open borders and unrestricted uh, immigration, then yeah, you're you're. You're, you're bringing in people that will live in a society where, you know... You're, Their you, values are not in line. Yes, values are not in line. You're, you're violating people's consent. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, you, you can find some really... Uh, how should I say? You can find some really insidious stuff going on with, with, with migrants where... You know, it, it seems that there are certain uh, organizations, certain NGOs, um, there are certain like Catholic organizations and Jewish organizations and stuff who are <laughs> trying to import as many migrants as they can and, and, and settling them into uh, areas that whose demographics they don't like. Well, and, yes, and, yes. And what, what I mean, oh, this town is 95% white, so let's... Uh, can we, I mean, you know, let's, <laughs> to, to your, to your point there, I mean, people, there are, there are values and cultures that are entirely antithetical to each other. Yeah. They com completely antithetical to each other. And, and it doesn't make sense to force these contradicting cultures and, and, uh, uh, and people to exist in the same space. That's if you're looking for a peaceful outcome, that's not the way to go. Not even a little bit. The other thing I want to point out, just and just kind of briefly, because you brought it up earlier, was the perspective on abortion, uh, and and uh, libertarians tend to be pro-choice. And the argument that they tend to give on why is because it's not that the person uh, it, that it's not a person in the womb. Uh, I don't. I, I don't ever really hear. At least the more intellectual libertarians argue that 
that uh, life begins at the first breath and that there isn't a life before um, uh, the labor, right? Before birth. But the argument they give is that no other living person is allowed to, or it should have to be forced to use their body to keep another living person alive. So in the example that they'll give, um, if I had if if I had to give up, um, you know half half of a lung in order for just anybody to survive, you know what I mean? Um, I shouldn't be forced to give that up just because I would survive the operation and I would be just fine with the lungs that I have afterwards, right? So no one, and that's the argument that they'll give is that effectively that unborn child is the same as the recipient of a part of my lung that I didn't uh, consent to. However, the argument, there's a couple of arguments, and I'm going to say one of my arguments, then I'm going to ask you to state your uh, libertarian perspective on that because your, um, your, your uh, example is one of my favorite arguments, uh, libertarian arguments against abortion that I've ever heard. But to me, um, the, 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 the problem with that argument that I hear from libertarians is that it doesn't take into account the fact that the woman did consent to the act that created that child in the first place. Um, now, I understand it gets tricky when, you know, the mother's life is at risk, but these days that's less of an issue. Um, but still, I think that takes that out of the equation. But even better, uh, your, uh, your, your boat analogy is my favorite if you want to get into that. Just to, so just to see different aspects that you can take from a libertarian perspective on this argument. Yeah. Um, uh, well, one thing I want to mention real quick. Um, so I, 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 I just want to clarify the point where... Um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't say that, okay, I wouldn't say that libertarians are overwhelmingly pro-choice. Um, but what I wanted to say is liberta libertarians are more likely to be pro-choice than Republicans sure. are. Um, but that's, you know, that's in light of the, you know, I, I just wanted to make that distinction because, um, you know, c conservatives uh, and Republicans are, are, you know, are probably the most pro-life uh yeah, that's a, that's, that's a hill the that the majority of Republicans are going to die on for sure. Right. Yeah. In my so, opinion, so, justifiably so. So yeah. So 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 libert libertarians as a whole are not staunchly pro-life in the way that you would you would find uh, conservatives being. Um, however, yeah. Th th so this is one of the other. You know, I I read a little list of contentious issues among libertarians. My first one was borders and immigration, and my second one was <laughs> abortion that I wrote. And so you and you know the, what's interesting about this issue among libertarians is that um, uh, ab abortion. I don't really see the left right divide as I I see people all over the place uh, mm -hmm. being you know pro or anti-abortion among libertarians and there, there there seem to be libertarian arguments that could support either side of the issue i even hesitate to say that they're you know i, I hesitate to say that as if they're only two I, I think the issue is more complex than just two sides um i i think it's a very complex issue but anyway it is I, a complex issue but but to get into the um the lifeboat scenario or the lifeboat analogy and this um this doesn't uh, necessarily apply only to the issue of abortion. This is kind of a, um, this is kind of a, it's a whole category of, of hypothetical scenarios that libertarians like to go through to kind of test out 
um, where where the first principles will take you, and um, so so in, in light of private property rights. Okay, so 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 here's how it goes. So um, suppose that you are a person and you own a boat, right? The boat is your private property, and you you know your, your friend or your acquaintance, you take them out on a boat and you take them several miles out to sea, right? And this is your private property. So so with your private property rights. You, you, you have a right to, if we're talking about physical property, like your land or your house or something, or a boat, uh, you have a right to decide who is allowed on your private property and who's not allowed on your private property. And you can consent for somebody to come on your property and then you can withdraw that consent. Uh, but in the lifeboat scenario or in the boat scenario, whatever you want to call it, it gets more complex because what if you, you know, you, you agree to let somebody onto your private property, your boat, and then you take them out several miles out to sea, and then all of a sudden you say, okay, I withdraw my consent for you being on my private property, so get off. Um, you know, if that person jumps into the water, then they'll drown to death. So, um, so, so it, 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 it's, it's a scenario where you have to think about, you know, if, if you're talking about libertarian principles, libertarian first principles, uh, non-aggression principle, private property rights, you know, is it... Is it permissible, you know, the boat is your private property and you can decide that you don't want to let somebody on your boat? For but, any reason. Right. For Yeah. For, you, it doesn't you don't, matter the reason. Like, it, it doesn't it, matter at all. It, it, yeah, it can be arbitrary. But when you're out to sea, you know, it, all of a sudden, you know, it, it is... It, can it's not you, as simple as kicking them off the boat. Yeah. Can you invoke your property rights in that way? It, it's, it's, not, it's not as clear cut of an answer because if you, if you um, evict them from your private property there, then... Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna drown to death. And there, there, there's another good scenario, like you know, you live on the the fiftieth floor of an apartment building or something, and you, and you have a, pl- a flagpole that like belongs to you that's hanging out, and somebody like above you falls, and then they're hanging on your flagpole, and and trying to like save their life, and they want to like climb up into your apartment, and you say no, get off, get off my property, you know, let go, you know, mm-hmm. can, can you do that, you know, so like yeah, you have private property rights. You know, in theory, yeah, somebody who's who's that flagpole, if that flagpole does not belong to somebody, they can't use it. But in that scenario, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to save their own life, you know, so it's right. that, that so that that these scenarios kind of can make you think about some of the liberty, uh, uh, sorry, some, some of the limitations uh, of I, I don't want to say limitations of private property rights, but there are kind of special cases i guess where it's it's not as clear cut it's just like well it's it's my property i can do it you know well i mean we we i think it's totally consistent and universal to say that you can do whatever you want with your property so long as what what you're doing with that property doesn't violate the rights of another person Mm -hmm. and if you are invoking your property rights while your friend is on the boat several miles out to sea by throwing throwing him overboard that is using your property to violate the rights of another and that in my opinion is absolutely in violation of well property rights because that person owns their own body That's and right. you decided to do something else with it right That's that right. they didn't consent to so or, or if you're a fan of natural rights that violates their right to life so to right so to me the answer to the question what do you do do you have the right to kick anybody off even five miles out to sea or 10 20 whatever it is that you know they aren't going to be able to swim back from um the the answer is uh you are absolutely allowed to kick anybody off uh of your boat when it's safe to do so to bring that back around so you can kick that guy off the boat once you get back to shore, but you cannot kick them off the boat, you know, 
50 miles out to sea. Bringing that back around to the question of abortion, does that woman absolutely, is that woman allowed to terminate that pregnancy? Yes, 100% according to libertarian principles, so long as she can do it safely in the same way that it was required for that person to safely bring that man to shore. So, so that it preserves the life of that person that he brought to shore. You can terminate the, the pregnancy uh, so long as you're able to preserve the life of the uh, unborn child uh, uh, involved in that pregnancy. So, And what, what you said is kind of a description of a concept. I, I've mentioned this to you before, but there's a guy named Walter Block who his stance on abortion, he, he refers to it as evictionism. Where, so, okay, a woman's womb is her private property. And if there's somebody in her womb and then she decides to withdraw her consent from that person being inside of her womb, uh, you know, in theory, she should be allowed to do that because it's her private property. Um, however, you can't deliberately kill the kid. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, so so I think a concise way that he describes it is abortion is evictionism plus murder. Okay, so uh, evicting the, ch you know, because the the procedure abortion does deliberately kill the child. So, yeah. um, you know, merely evicting the child, and then if the, you know, the, the if the child can survive, you know, then that's theoretically that's more justifiable to do something like that than to deliberately kill yeah. the kid. That's, I mean. It <laughs> it's still unsafe to go into labor earlier than uh, than. That your body is prepared for, but uh, for right. for the kid's sake and for the for the mother's sake, but um, yeah, and I know that's not the answer, of course, that the that the uh, uh, pro choice <laughs> here, uh, but I don't care. I mean, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So. Yeah, I mean, so me personally, I um, yeah, I, I I think abort I think abortion is is an awful thing to do. But it's also, not to get into it too much, but it's also not as simple as let's throw the woman in prison if she does it, right? It, um, yeah. it's, it is not the same kind of crime as, like, first-degree murder, right? Right, where somebody just uh, randomly, you know, shoots somebody on the street, right? It's They are not the same crime. That, that's, still, why it's a, that's why it's such a hard issue. Right. Because they're still it's both not as clear-cut. Right. They are still both wrong, and we can still say both are wrong. But they are not the same crime, and because because the motivations matter, right? The, the 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 motive absolutely matters. It's absolutely relevant, and there are people who are again. If a woman is raped and she decides to get an abortion, look, I I still think it's wrong, and I would not approve it. I certainly would not help make that happen. You know, I don't want to, my, my taxes to go to something like that, for example. But I'm not going to condemn a woman who makes that decision. I think that that is a very tough situation. I would not envy being in that situation. I don't want her to make that decision, but I would not condemn her for making that decision because it is not that simple. That is, getting an abortion because you were raped is not the same thing as killing somebody because he looked at you funny. Yeah, I, and so, um, so you know, what, one way I like to I like to think about my stance on abortion and many other things as well is. Um, th things that I think are wrong, I, uh, I, my, my first priority is not to uh, make sure that the government makes a rule saying that you're not allowed to do the thing that I don't like or the thing that I find to be wrong. What, what I prioritize for myself is to come up with how I can explain to others why doing that 
thing is wrong. So I, you know, making making recreational drugs illegal is not my priority. My priority is explaining to people why using recreational drugs is a bad thing that can be harmful to you, or yeah. you know, uh, or you know, for other things, you know, that like you know, uh, one thing I think of is like, what if suppose there's suppose there's a man who is married and has some kids. And instead of spending time with his family and with his kids, he goes to the bar every night and gets really drunk. Uh, I think that's unethical. I think that's totally wrong. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't think that man deserves my respect. I also don't think that behavior should be illegal. I, you know, I, I would, you know, uh, my priority, my priority would be on explaining to that man and persuading him to uh, to realize why his actions are wrong and to, you know choose choose the morally correct thing right. to do so that's uh, that, that that's more important to me than just saying okay this needs to be illegal but right. you know I, I I do I do understand you know with with abortion you know abortion is kind of a more serious topic than just you know so what the, the example I've mentioned is a little more subjective a little mm -hmm. more nuanced but but anyway um, uh, yeah so but yeah that's anyway I, I just want to uh, I want to get back to the so the left yeah. right split and libertarianism here and 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 one one thing I really want to mention here is, um, you know I think the side of libertarianism that I'm on. You know I think I, I think we, you know we like to prioritize. Uh, you know we're 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 radical in our messaging. We like to prioritize uh, political decentralization. You know, I mentioned earlier, like state level nullification, secession. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like the centralizing of political power in the federal government of the United States. So my personal take on libertarianism ought to be to oppose that and to also point out other. You know, being strongly anti-war, being anti-federal reserve causes a lot of economic problems, mm -hmm. which we'll get into in a future episode. Um, and so I, you know, the 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 other side of libertarianism. I have a problem with them because what I see is that they they are the ones who have <laughs> who have created this sense that libertarianism is just about uh, hedonism and and smoking weed and and, and do, for some of them it is do, in, all, in all honesty for some libertarians that is what that's all about. Well, yes, that's that's right, and so that's what yeah. So I, you know. I like to refer to them as the the weed and sodomy libertarians. Um, you know, the people at Reason Magazine they just they just love talking about weed being legalized. You know, so, like so, so that's so I you know that's yeah. a, I, I uh, that's why I call them the weed you know the 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 LGB weed libertarians. You know, <laughs> the open borders, open buttholes libertarians, the, <laughs> the blunts and butt sex boys, the <laughs> HIV positive libertarians. You know, I whatever whatever you want to call them. <laughs> I <laughs> see, and so, I, but I, I do think this you is. You came to be educated, folks. <laughs> I, I do, I do have a problem with with these people who 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 portray, you know, and they 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 love. Yeah, okay, so some of those pragmatist people mm -hmm. that I that I that I, oh by by the way, I, I actually didn't finish that story. The pragmatist caucus of the Libertarian Party disbanded. The reason they disbanded is so that they could. Um, they could they could appoint people uh, to investigate the scandal in New Hampshire. They uh, because so the idea was okay. There was this scandal in New Hampshire, 
and they want to do an investigation of it. And the people who would be appointed to the investigation, um, you know, they want them to be as impartial as possible. So they don't want any caucus affiliated members of the Libertarian Party to uh, to be in charge of that investigation. So they dissolved their caucus. That way they could be in charge of the investigation. Anyway, um, why did I bring that up, though? Left versus uh, right. Uh, that you was lose track. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> oh, I, did, I totally lost track of why I even brought that up. But uh, but, but but anyway, um, uh, yeah, uh, messaging. Uh, yeah. So the yeah the I, I don't know. Maybe we should just move on. I, yeah. Uh, What's the next? But, Libertarian anti politics. Was that what you were getting into? Uh, oh no no no. Uh, okay. l- l- let me run through the let me run through the rest of the stuff. So okay. Yeah. So we're in the, we're in the libertarianism in American politics. Uh, so let's uh, let, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the people who have uh, who have been in public office in the United States, particularly at the federal level, uh, who could be called libertarians. So in my opinion, the greatest example of this is Ron Paul. Um, this is another this is another instance of the split in libertarianism. There are a lot of people who hate Ron Paul in the Libertarian Party. They hate Ron Paul. The one of the reasons they hate the Mises Caucus invasion, if you will, takeover, if you will, of the Libertarian Party. They don't like Ron Paul. They're like he's a Republican. He's just a conservative, just calling himself libertarian. Yeah. But I consider him to be the most libertarian congressman of all time. He was in the U.S. House of Representatives uh, from 1976 to 1977. Uh, and then from 79 to 85, uh, and then he was out of the House of Representatives for about 10 years doing some other stuff, including uh, he was actually the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in 1988. Uh, and after that campaign, uh, well, a, a while after that campaign, uh, but he, he, he returned uh, to Congress. He served from 1997 until 2013, uh, and he left the House of Representatives after that. Uh, he is still alive. He's very old, but he's also a very healthy guy. Actually, uh, fun fact, the reason the reason why he was able to get elected in that district. So he was a doctor down in Texas. Uh, he, li- he lives in Lake Jackson, Texas. And so, okay. Uh, yeah, so he, he had basically delivered everybody's babies in that district. Everybody knew him. So that's how he got elected, essentially. But he, he was infamous for opposing pretty much any bill put on the table that violated the constitution he was he was a stalwart when it came to constitutionality and he would vote no he, he was he was the sole person voting no on a lot, a lot of bills in congress but i i consider him to be by far the most libertarian congressman of all time he also ran for the republican party presidential nomination in 2008 and in 2012 he was able to garner a lot of support within the Republican Party, actually. You know, he, he got a lot of support from uh, guys from the military. He was getting entire stadiums full of young people to chant, end the Fed, end the Federal Reserve, which, you know, it's, it's amazing. But he, you know, I think they did him dirty, even more dramatically so, in my opinion, than, like, what the DNC did to Bernie Sanders in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2012, Ron Paul actually won the Iowa caucus and they refused to you know they kept trying to recount and everything to try to get him to not win they didn't release the results until Mitt Romney had had uh, secured the nomination because they didn't want him to be able to get that 
uh, that momentum. They didn't want to risk Ron, but you know he was too. He was just he was just too too anti a lot of things that the powers that yep. be didn't. But but anyway, too anti-war and yep. yeah. Uh, so another manifestation of libertarianism, maybe pseudo libertarianism. You know, again, the the left libertarians we've mentioned would not like this, but the Tea Party movement. Uh, was fundamentally libertarian in a lot of ways. It was anti-government. Um, you know, I, I've got the, you know, a, a lot of people like to wave the Gadsden flag, the don't tread on me flag. Yeah, I've got that up on my wall, actually, in my living room, in my apartment. I love the Gadsden, you know, I, and I think... I've the, got the uh, tread on them flag. <laughs> yes, yes, I've... <laughs> if, you, if, you all are, if you all have never heard of the uh, Killdozer, totally, total side note, but uh, go on YouTube and look up Killdozer. It's a hell of a story. Uh, and I've got a flag of the that has the killdozer on it, and it says "tread on them." I freaking love it. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But the the Tea Party movement, you know, that's a whole that's a whole other topic. But uh, there were definitely some libertarian themes within within that movement. Uh, one of the people who actually got elected during, I believe, uh, so I'm going to get into um, what you could call liberty Republicans here. Um, so these are. Some Republicans who, in the case of so Rand Paul, he's in the Senate for Kentucky. That's um, Ron's son. That's Ron Paul's son. Yep. So he he could definitely be considered a libertarian. And then in the House of Representatives, also in Kentucky, Thomas Massey. Uh, Thomas Massey is definitely a libertarian. And then uh, Justin Amash, who was in the House of Representatives, uh, we we mentioned him earlier. He was a Republican for almost all of his time in the House of Representatives, and that brings up, kind of, there's an entire conversation about that as to, you know, a, a libertarian who wants to run for public office. Should they go the route of the Libertarian Party, or should they go the route of the Republican Party? And some of these guys who we just mentioned, namely Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, and Justin Amash, uh, they chose the Republican Party route, and they were, and, and yes, yeah, so, but back to the Tea Party, I believe Rand Paul and Thomas Massey were, were, were Tea Party uh, we're, we're, you know, there were a whole bunch of different Republicans who got elected, um, kind of ousting some more establishment neoconservative uh, types and, and, and getting into the House or the, or the Senate there. And I, I believe those two were part of that. You know, somebody can fact check me on that. But anyway, but, you know, I, I would refer to these guys as liberty Republicans. Um, but they, they definitely are fundamentally uh, libertarian, especially uh, Thomas Massey. I think Thomas Massey is, is great. And then uh, the last couple of things I want to mention here are, um, you know, people in the Libertarian Party or Libertarians uh, in general. Um, I want to talk about, you know, some of the things that have happened in, in, in the past. You know, I, I'm seeing this through the lens of Murray Rothbard, who was a prominent uh, Libertarian. He was an economist and a, uh, he, he was kind of a Renaissance man in the, in the social sciences and political commentary and all sorts of different things. But... Um, you know, but, you know, he, he at different points in his career, uh, he may, he tried to make an alliance with with the left in the 1960s um, because he saw the left as, uh, as 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 being anti-war. You know, I, I think I think these days uh, we might not see that as much for various reasons. Um, but back in the 60s, the the left were the ones who were who were anti-war because of the Vietnam War and Rothbard. Uh, so Rothbard really thought that libertarians could could make an alliance with the left uh, in in order to try to promote uh, anti-war principles in American politics. He ended up abandoning that 
uh, strategy. Um, I, be I believe, you know, he kind of got frustrated. He referred to them as basically, you know, they're a bunch of commies. They don't actually care about being anti-war. They just hated, uh, you know, it, it was just a way to be anti-Republican. Mm -hmm. um, and, he, you know, you, you see a lot of that kind of stuff to uh, to, to this day. You know, you, you know the, the, the left, uh, you know, they, they, they love being anti-war during, like, the George W. Bush administration but then during the Barack Obama administration all of a sudden they weren't very anti-war anymore so there's there's kind of some uh, just just political expediency going on it's kind of like when they decided suddenly how much they love corporations you know what I mean they hated them yeah you know, that's another the, that's another during one. the Occupy uh, time frame yeah. but then as soon as as soon as uh, somebody more anti-corporation than anybody comes along like Trump then suddenly they are loving the corporations and as soon as the corporations throw the gay flag in their Twitter profiles, you know, in America, <laughs> not in the uh, Arab world, of course, uh, then, it, then the left is all about corporations. It's hilarious how they just switch like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, the, the big picture there is that, uh, you know, I, particularly me, I, 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 I hold, um, you know, anti-war foreign policy uh, to be really essential uh, in, in libertarianism, in, in my opinion, and mm -hmm. you know, in, in the instances where you can find people on the left who are uh, still anti-war in a principled way, which it, they they exist. It's not. It might not be as prominent as you know that that can ebb and flow again, depending on like who's in the Oval Office. I guess that can mm -hmm. ebb and flow. But there, there there are people on the left who are who are anti-war in a very principled way. Um, the people who would come to mind for me would be uh, Glenn Greenwald, Aaron Maté, and Jimmy Dore. <laughs> those uh, those also happen to be the uh, the left wingers who have done the best reporting on the the Russiagate hoax. You know, it's it's amazing to see some of these people on the left who are uh... anyway. Sorry, that's a whole other tangent. Uh, but uh, so uh, so that's a potential alliance with the left from a libertarian perspective. An alliance with the right from a libertarian from a libertarian perspective. Um, again, like I mentioned, seeing this uh, through the lens of Murray Rothbard. So in the nineteen nineties. Him and uh, and Lou Rockwell, uh, another prominent uh, libertarian. Uh, Lou Lou Rockwell is actually uh, he was he worked with Ron Paul when Ron Paul was a politician, um, and so Murray Rothbard and Lou Rockwell created something that they called the Paleo Strategy, where they um, they tried to align with the Paleo Conservative wing of the Republican Party, um, most notably like in 1992. When Pat Buchanan uh, was trying to uh, trying to oust George H. W. Bush from the Republican Party primary, so they were they were really behind Pat Buchanan because you know similar to the alliance with the left type of thing, you know they saw Pat Buchanan as a as an anti-war guy, um, and George H. W. Bush was not particularly anti-war, so they saw. Um, and the, the, there's also a lot of cultural stuff in this uh, this paleo strategy, paleo alliance, as it's referred to. Um, but they it, so they started referring to themselves as paleo libertarians, which is kind of a type of of right leaning libertarian. Uh, you know, in in the modern day, some people who I would call paleo libertarians are Stefan Molyneux, Ilana Mercer. Um, there are a few others, but they uh, tended to be pretty pro Trump uh, people who people who call themselves paleo libertarians. But that's the you can you can look up. If you're interested, you can look up something called the Paleo Strategy. It's very infamous, and back to the whole left-right libertarian divide. You know, there are a lot of people in the Libertarian Party 
um, who think that Murray Rothbard and Lou Rockwell are completely evil, and they like to call them Nazis and evil racists uh, for trying to engage in the paleo strategy. One of the reasons for that is that you know they really embraced uh, some uh, right wing values, and they were putting forth these arguments about how uh, you know cu- cultural conservatism is a key component of libertarianism or of the of of a libertarian society being actually realistic that's something that i fundamentally agree with which is why i view the this uh, paleo strategy thing as not controversial but as actually a, a really good way to go and that's that's we're seeing a resurgence in that which we can uh, uh we, we we can talk about at some point um uh, i know we have to wrap up here pretty soon but I just wanted to give a shout out real quick since since we are on a section here called Libertarianism in American Politics. So I talked about this thing called the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party. Something that I saw pop up very recently, there is a guy who's trying to create a Mises Caucus in the Republican Party. Um, because there's been a lot of discussion in libertarian circles recently, and we touched on this theme in this episode, of whether uh, libertarians if they want to engage in political action and in electoral politics, whether they should go the Libertarian Party route or whether they should go the Republican Party route. Uh, you know, we've really disregarded the the realistic... The, the, we've really disregarded the Democrats and this, you know... The, Well, and I talked about it in in one of my recent episodes uh, about why, in my opinion, the uh, uh, Republican Party is the key to uh, ensuring freedom, Uh, not because of the way it stands now, but because of the opportunity for how it can be redirected. Uh, I even talked about how the Democratic Party is just not there. There is no use for it as far as protecting freedom goes. Uh, If you have if you think there's any shot in protecting freedom between uh, the two parties, it's going to be the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party. I think COVID-19 has been a very illuminating example of of, of that principle. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of Democrats or Republicans, but. I mean, Democrats have been so much worse on COVID stuff. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just have to be honest with myself. But anyway, I just want to point out that, the, yeah, so there is a guy who's trying to create a Mises caucus in the Republican Party. He's calling it the Mises GOP. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if it takes off. Um, if it does, I think that would be really cool. You know, I, I was yeah, talking I to Max so about this, and there, so so there's a I guy. Look into it more. Yeah, there's a guy affiliated with. Uh, well, the, well, the guy running it, it's this guy named Andrew who runs a podcast called Popular Liberty, and he's been one of the leading voices and kind of you know, uh, libertarians trying to gain political power through the Libertarian Party are just it's it's just a complete fool's errand, and it's a waste of time because the Libertarian Party is never going to gain any political power. You know, there are people who agree or disagree. There's been a lot of good debate over this issue, but this guy is firmly in the camp of embracing the fact that the GOP already exists and to try to craft it uh, in the direction of liberty. So he wants to create this caucus uh, called the Republican Party Mises Caucus. So if you're interested in liberty, if you're interested in, in any of the ideas that we've been talking about on these episodes or that we will talk about in future episodes in this libertarianism deep dive, keep your eyes on the Mises GOP, I think that, uh, you know, that has some exciting potential, especially for, for, for somebody uh, uh, coming coming from where I'm coming from. But I just also wanted to mention there is a guy affiliated with the Mises Institute. The Mises Institute is not, by the way, it's not a libertarian organization. 
but there is a guy who works for them named Tho Bishop who lives in Florida, in the Florida Panhandle, and within the past year or two, he has decided to get involved with his local county-level Republican Party, and so he is, uh, yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to kind of install some of the ideas of Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard and Hans Hermann Hoppe and, and, and people like this. He's trying to kind of install some of these ideas that are, that are friendly to more right-wing and conservative people into the Libertarian Party. Um, and I, from what I understand, he's been having some success with that. So I hope he gets on board with this Mises GOP thing. And, and if that can take off, in addition to the Mises caucus and the Libertarian Party, uh, has been really taken off in the last couple of years as well. Uh, there's a lot of potential for the Libertarian Party and for the Republican uh, Party to, to to do a lot of good things in the future, or at least better than 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 in the past. In my personal, there's opinion. A, there's an opportunity, if nothing else, there's an opportunity for that to happen. I think. So. Yeah. Um, the next section I know we want to get into, and I want to make sure we do it justice, is uh, Libertarian anti politics. Uh, and that, uh, at a very high level, really gets into, um, as, oppo as opposed to what we were just talking about in this episode, uh, using politics to further the libertarian agenda. Um, libertarian anti-politics is more about doing things in spite of the state to push the libertarian agenda. So, and that's basically, uh, uh, with the, in, in a lot of ways, for example, it's uh, like rendering the, the state irrelevant. So that's a, a, a again. I want to do that topic justice. So we're going to save that for uh, for the next episode because uh, I think that that one's going to be really fascinating. But thanks again, Jack, for coming on. Uh, Thank and you for having giving me. us your research and expertise. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and we will talk to you on the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and every other major podcast platform. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and enable notifications to stay up to date with all of our new episodes and content. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a part of the show, reach out to us at canceledoutpodcast at gmail.com or in our locals community. Canceled Out is produced, directed, edited, and mixed by Scott and Max. All sourcing information can be found in our show notes at chronicles.org or in the link in the episode post in our Locals community site at canceledout.com. Canceled Out is a Canceled Out Media LLC production, copyright 2021.